0: And what up, podcast land? We're here live on the Fan All Seasons podcast, and on today's episode, we're talking about the big game, the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 52, Eagles-Patriots.
1: All right, and for this episode, we have a special guest with us here in the studio, uh, Jackson Art. Jackson's from Atlanta, grown up with him all my life.
2: Since we were two. <laughs>
1: Since we were two. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jackson, how'd you become an Eagles fan?
2: So so funny story. So growing up, I actually um as a kid, I grew up during the um the Andy Reed era. Um so this was back when they had Takeo Spikes, um you know, Brian Dawkins. This was when the Eagles were just a powerhouse, um best defense in the league. Brian Westbrook, um Donovan McNabb, TO, all those guys. So uh, just from a, from an early age, I just fell in love with the Eagles, and then it just uh, that's that's my team. Bleed green, baby, till the day I die. So,
1: so what were your expectations for the Eagles at the beginning of the season?
2: So okay, so if I'm being honest, like at the end of preseason, you know, going into regular season, I thought, all right, well, they have a decent shot, but I, no way did I think Super Bowl, especially when we lost to Kansas City. And um I think so when we lost to Kansas City, I honestly was thinking Kansas City's the team that's gonna go deep this year. Cause I don't know if y'all remember, but early in the season, Kansas City was they were a powerhouse.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were.
2: And um But anyway, so we lost to them and we started rebounding. But dude, Carson Wentz just from the get go, I could tell he was gonna be hot this year. And um but I was interested to see mainly how the wide receiving core Kind of interact how they um, kind of played off each other this year. Now that we had you know Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith, Nelson Aguilar, I was eager to see how he improved. But again, no high expectations, and then they just started killing it, man. And then it was just it was just it just went from there.
1: Yeah, I uh, I have a fantasy or I was in a fantasy football team this year uh, with a bunch of guys from from school. And uh I, I like to have Jim and Joe with me during my my draft just to make sure I'm up to date on what's going on with each player. Um, oh, yeah. You know, even off the field, just to know what to expect later on in the season. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it, it came down to quarterbacks. And I was like, oh, man, I, I, I had to pick up Cam Newton. It was like... Dude, the scam. Uh, well, the let's scam. look at different. Uh, let's look at different quarterbacks. I was like, okay, <laughs> we we got Cam. Uh, who else was there? There was um, Mariota, yep. I think, available, and all right, uh, Carson Wentz, and I was stuck between Cam and Carson Wentz. Yeah, and so I picked Cam first, and then it went into the next round. Yeah, and I was able to pick up. Uh, Wince as well. Oh, really? And so I played Cam Newton the first two weeks, I think. Yeah. W- wasn't too impressed. Yeah. And Carson Wentz was just killing it, dude. And so I've been playing him ever since. And
2: dude, Dutch, Destroyer. I was in first
1: place uh, for the majority of the season. And man,
2: he's a beast, man. He's a beast. And if you look at if you look at his play style, it's pretty. um. It's pretty unreal. I mean, he's what six foot, what six foot three, six foot four, I think. Like two, two twenty, s- somewhere in there. Yeah. I mean, he's a big boy, but dude, he can move. That guy can move if he has to. It's just, oh, yeah. I mean, I love it. And the arm, oh my god, <laughs> the pinpoint accuracy, oh god, that's what we've been waiting for in Philly, dude.
0: And he, and he's also a winner. I mean, he won four national championships. And North Dakota State. I know it's yep. Division Two, but national championships are national championships.
2: Dude, in four, dude. I mean, I mean, and of course, it's also it's a it's a good program as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean,
2: it's not just him, but still, for him to lead the team to four championships. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
1: What were your thoughts when you heard that Carson Wentz was out for the rest of the season, dude?
2: That was, and I think I probably speak for most Eagles fans when I say this. That was devastating. <laughs> it was literally cuz i was watching that game and i remember when they finally came back and said that you know it was um well well they weren't sure actually so during the broadcast they weren't sure entirely they said well it may be a sprained it may be a sprain it, you know instead of a torn uh was a AC, uh acl
0: M- acl mcl
2: yeah they're like well it may just be sprained it's probably not it, we don't think it's that severe so my first thought was like, oh, okay, well, you know, just sit him out the rest of the game. Let him take a week. Heal up, you know, or, or shoot, I mean, however long he needs, let him heal up. We need him. <laughs> but then I remember the next day, because I'm deep in the Eagles forums, man, and on the on Bleeding Green Nation, which if you're an Eagles fan, go check that page out. That's good. But, um, dude, it was, it was devastating. It was like a punch to the gut. It was brutal.
1: Yeah. Definitely was, and I mean, even for my fantasy team, like you know, Eagles. Eh, I don't really care. I mean, yeah. Falcons all the way. But, yeah, that's all right. Um, you know, now that it's Eagles Patriots, it, Eagles all the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so, in your opinion, do the Eagles have the biggest advantage against the Patriots?
2: I mean, if I'm being honest, I think if you compare each team's roster. Do the Patriots have a better quarterback? Yes. It's freaking Tom Brady. A lot of people, you know, graced of all time. So, you know, the, I don't know. The Patriots, I think they have they have a, a very select few, like a handful per se, of players who are better. But if I think if you line up each, each team's roster and look at the team as a whole, I think the Eagles really do have a better team. The Patriots do have, you know, select players who are better, but like so, for example, in my opinion, I think the Eagles have a better receiving core than the Patriots. Now, the Patriots have Tom Brady, and they've got Gronk, but I mean, and don't I, well, and I should, I should that's maybe a little harsh, but whatever. I mean, Dole is good, but okay, so what? That's two. I mean. You go to the Eagles. You have got Nelson Agholor, Torrey Smith, Alshon Jeffrey, and then you've got Brent Celek and Zach Ertz. Who I would actually put Zach Ertz over Brent Celek right now. He's Zach Ertz is on a tear. He's been on a tear this whole season. So, and then I mean, and so that's just receiving core. But again, you've got old Saint Nick at quarterback. <laughs> who, God bless him, that guy's great. But <clears throat> Now, he's no Tom Brady, but still, that guy, he's been killing it this year. I don't know. I think the Eagles overall have a better team. Um, I think Malcolm Jenkins for us has been huge. Getting Malcolm Jenkins and having him take that leadership role over both offense and defense, mm-hmm. dude, that's been huge. I mean, that's just – he's like the heart and soul of that team right now. It's its unreal.
1: So, did you expect uh – Zach Ertz and Nick Foles to develop such good chemistry so fast, so quickly?
2: I'm going to say yes. No, I didn't expect it, but did it But it didn't surprise me. Yeah. Because um, if you look at Nick Foles back in, I think it was 07, 08, when we had Foles and he was on that tear.
0: No, you're, you're thinking of 2013 is when Foles had the really good year with Chip Kelly. Oh,
2: was it 13? No, okay. It so that's the year when he threw, was it seven touchdown passes against the Raiders and tied an NFL record for most touchdown passes in a game? Mm-hmm. And only eight players in the in NFL history have ever done that? Mm-hmm. And the only modern players to do it are him, Drew Brees, and Peyton Manning? I mean, that's pretty unreal. So I knew, you know, we saw it then, and so I kind of knew when when they announced him as the new starter, I was like, all right. Well, he's got the he's got the goods. I mean, he's he's got the ability. And then Zach Ertz is just on a whole nother level this year, man. It's um, I just it, I mean, I I kind of figured that once once Nick Foles stepped in, that you know that that everything would kind of fall in place. You know, I mean, the other thing is when Carson Wentz was quarterback, dude, the, the the play calling was so complex because Carson Wentz had the ability to to handle all that but you know from what I've been reading online and the interviews that I've seen when they brought Nick Foles in Nick Foles is good but he doesn't have that ability like the Carson Wentz's the Peyton Manning's or the Tom Brady's with the complex play calling so they just simplified it for him and they're like hey man we're just going to dumb it down for you so that you're not so it's not so confusing and overwhelming and then you just go out there and do your thing and play. And I think the Minnesota game was when we really saw that shine through.
1: Joe, you, uh, you have any questions for Jackson here? I
2: do, I do. Um, okay, Jackson, so Tom Brady's
0: weakness has been facing great pass rushers, or great pass rushes, and that seems to be the strength of the Philadelphia defense. So who besides Fletcher Cox needs to step up to generate a pass rush against Brady?
2: Oh man, dude, uh, Fletcher Cox is—I mean—that he's—he's a big, uh, <clears throat> a big factor. I think Chris Long, who, you know, I'll say this, and especially in the playoffs, dude, Chris Long has stepped up. I mean, he's—he's he's been good all year, but Chris Long has just been killing it all throughout um, the uh, the playoffs, and I think he's gonna have to step up. Um, and Malcolm Jenkins, they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to bring, they're gonna have to bring that safety blitz with, um, with Malcolm Jenkins, which that worked, that's been working all year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just kind of disguising it, and then you got Malcolm Jenkins on the outside, and before you know it, and, he, and dude, he he's fast, fast, right. and he hits hard. So, right. I think I think Malcolm Jenkins. Is actually going to. I think he'll end up being a big, big factor. Probably more than the front, uh, the front four. Hmm. I could be wrong, but I I think that he'll be a big factor.
0: Hmm. And then my final question for you: If Nick Foles leads the Eagles to a Super Bowl, um, will there be a quarterback controversy in Philadelphia next year?
2: Oh man, (laughs) dude. uh, If I'm being honest, I think if Nick Foles leads the Eagles to a Super Bowl. I, I, you know, he was contemplating retirement in St. Louis.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I, I don't know. I, I kind of could see where if he leads him, he kind of says, all right, cool. I've done it, you know, and he kind of just r- rides off into the sunset. Mm. I wouldn't want to see that just because he's shown that he's really good. Mm. Um, I don't think there will be a controversy. I mean, it's it's pretty much well known that Carson Wentz is going to be the starter next year. But I think if the Eagles are smart, they're going to hang on to Nick Foles. I mean, if he wants to retire, he wants to retire. But if he doesn't want to retire, the Eagles are going to make sure to keep him around because he's easily proven that he's possibly the best backup in the NFL.
0: I couldn't agree more. I'd probably say he is the best backup quarterback in the
2: NFL. Yeah, for sure. No doubt.
1: Well, that, that's all the questions we have for you, Jackson. All right. A- any comments uh, going into the Super Bowl?
2: Um, gosh, I'm not even going to predict a score, man. <laughs> I, I just, I'm not. It's, 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 it's just, it's so up in the air. It could go either way. Um, I would be absolutely floored if it's a repeat of the Minnesota game. I don't think it will be, but I would be blown away if the Eagles just come out just stomping them like they did Minnesota. They could, I guess, but it would shock me. I think it's going to be really close, and I think I have a feeling it's going to be a, the, um, a repeat of the Falcons game. I think it might come down to one of those last-minute last, last minute plays where it's fourth and goal, and whether it's the Eagles or the Patriots, you know, I, I think it's going to come down to that. I think it'll be really close.
0: Should be a fun one. Thanks for uh, hopping on the podcast with us.
2: Yeah, guys. It's been a blast. <laughs> Keep it going. Okay, guys. So we're going to transition to a little
0: Georgia basketball talk now on the Fan Brawl Seasons podcast. And we're going to talk about Georgia's big win over Florida. Okay, so we're going to break down some of the leaders for Georgia. In the Florida win, we have Yonte Mayton, who had 20 points. Turtle Jackson was sixteen. And Jawan Parker with 12. We all, you also have Tyree Crump, who had two big three-pointers for the Dogs. And uh, Nicholas Claxton, who had five big points off the bench. Claxton also made an impact uh, for the Dogs, especially on the defensive side of the ball. He was able to block a lot of shots and uh, was able to get some, get some good rebounds, too. I really like Claxton's upside. Like I mentioned earlier in the first episode, when we were talking about the Kansas State game, I think Claxton's a guy who has really, really good upside. Mm-hmm. He just has to get a little bit stronger. Well, we're gonna look at like rebounding leaders now. So we see obviously Yante Mayton, his usual A plus work, seven rebounds, Nicholas Claxton leading the dogs and rebounding with eight. And then Ray Sean Hammonds, who had six rebounds in the dogs. Um and again, like I said earlier, you know, Claxton just continues to get better and better and better. In my opinion, he might be the best freshman we have right now. Um Yonte, you know, kinda doing or just doing what it takes, um, to play good basketball as a senior, you know. You know, if you if you wanna find a parallel, it's it's kinda like what Chubb and Michelle did, you know, their senior years with the football team, you know, carrying this team. It's it's kinda like in it's kind of like that. And Yonte is definitely the heart and soul and definitely carrying this basketball team. Um, blocks, Claxton, three blocks. Claxton had a huge block at the end of the game. Um, and Florida was getting close to the bucket. And uh, Big Claxton just reached up and, or with two hands, and just swatted it down. I, I remember thinking to myself, I'm sitting there in the student section and I'm like, holy smokes, that was incredible. <laughs> um, um, and then we also have Yante who had a big block too in the second half um, Florida's Florida's forward um, Kola Chekov was going in for a was going in or was going inside to score and Yante just swatted it out there and like and landed like out of bounds and into like the first row of seats it was pretty cool RG3 is going to get into the Florida leaders right now. Um, So I'll let him take that from
1: there. So point-wise, we have Kulachov with 13 points. Uh, We have Chris Chios with 15 points. And Kayvon Allen at 9 points. Over on the rebound side of the ball, uh, we have Keystone with 6 rebounds. And Kulachekov with 7. And Gak with 6.
0: But uh, and then assists leaders for Florida, Chris Christioza, probably one of the top point guards in the SEC. He had eight assists. Um, he he's a senior and he's he's playing some of the best basketball of his career. Um, so it's good for Florida, I guess. Um, yeah. So that so that was a big win for Georgia. You know, they had they had momentum. You know, you're feeling great about where the dogs are, and then and the dogs go to Starkville. And they get blown out by Mississippi State. I was very disappointed, very disappointed. Es- especially the way Georgia came out offensively. Um, we didn't really get, we didn't really get going offensively. We looked kind of stagnant. We didn't value the ball like we should. Um, and, and credit to Mississippi State. You know, you gotta tip, you gotta tip your hat to them. They uh, they made plays, um, and Georgia did not. And so credit goes to Mississippi State. So RG three is gonna get into some of the leaders for the dogs from the uh, from the Mississippi State game.
1: Well, have Yonte Mayton with thirteen points, Tyree Crump with thirteen, thirteen points three. as well.
0: The interesting thing about Tyree RG three it was his first career start for the dogs. He was starting at point guard, um, and he's he's six two, so he so he. But he can really shoot, and so he doesn't seem to fit the prototypical shooting guard size. And so he was having to play point guard, and so he was having the ball in his hands. I personally think he should play, or I personally think he should come in and play off the ball so he can focus on shooting and not have to run the team and score necessarily. Because he's the best outside shooter Georgia has. Uh, And an unlikely source of offense for the dogs was Pop Jada who who had twelve points and was four for four from three point land. An unlikely source, as I mentioned earlier for the dogs. Um, but definitely a guy who's who's been through the wars, who's a senior and who can make and he can make shots. And that's what Georgia needs. Georgia is in Georgia's in a bad way right now offensively and they need everybody to step up. And that's and that's where I think the loss of Jordan Harris, you know, can hurt. But if you, but if you have guys like Pop Jada and, you know, Tyree Crump and, you know, Torian Wilridge and people like that, other other guys on this bench who are going to step up for the dogs um, at the guard spot and especially from like, um, from not only the offensive standpoint but also the defensive standpoint. Um, and then Nicholas Claxton, again, I feel like we've talked about him a bulk on this uh, segment when we were talking about UGA basketball but he's just got a um, tremendous upside. He had five rebounds in the Mississippi State game. He's, he's very, very skilled and really athletic. I think the thing with Claxton, like I said earlier, he just needs to get stronger. Um, and that's going to come with time. And then as far as assists go for the Dogs, um, you have Turtle Jackson with seven assists. Turtle has been up and down, honestly. Um, and, and there are moments where I, where I really like what Turtle's doing. You know, and he's got the ball in his hands and he's able to create and make plays. And then there are times where I feel like Turtle like, tries a little too hard and, like, he's just dribbling the ball to nowhere and and that's what cr- creates and leads to turnovers um, for Georgia. So, going to Mississippi State, I think this is where rd 3 is going to get in, the Mississippi State leaders. Uh,
1: we have Lamar Peters with 20 points. Quindary Witherspoon with 14 points, Nick Witherspoon at 14 points. And those guys are
0: brothers, actually. And I'm I'm really impressed with both of them. I think, I think they're both going to be two big players from Mississippi State
1: down the road. But as far as rebounds, we have Quindary Witherspoon with eight rebounds, Eric Coleman at eight rebounds. We have Quindary Witherspoon and... Eric Coleman at, yeah, with eight rebounds and Adul Otto with six rebounds and then
0: uh, Lamar Peters led Mississippi State with two assists the dogs have a big game <laughs> as the shot of Vandy. Um, the interesting thing about Vanderbilt um, for our listeners that don't know Vanderbilt's court is it's elevated on a stage and where the benches are the benches are underneath the basket And so generally, you have the benches to the side. Mm -hmm. But at Vanderbilt, they're under the basket. And so it can be challenging for coaches trying to talk to their teams, especially Mm -hmm. if they're young, um, if they're on the opposite side of the court away from the coach. Um, I know Vanderbilt's been a house of horrors for Georgia um, in the past. But hopefully tonight, um, the dogs can play with a little desperation and fire. And uh, get a big win on the road against uh, against an eight-win Vanderbilt team. Vandy is eight and thirteen overall, um, and this is a game Jordan desperately, desperately, desperately needs.
1: Yeah, they'll be difficult with the uh, you know all the fans at the ear level of all the players, and you know the coaches down screaming at their feet. That's uh, that's gonna make it really difficult, especially for a team that doesn't play on that court every week.
0: Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. I think I think it's definitely a, and it's definitely an advantage that Vanderbilt uses uh, to their own benefit, and it's a, uh, and and it can be and it can be uh, challenging for teams, you know, going into Vandy, um, and playing there, no, no matter what type of year they're having, um, good or bad. Couple guys for Vandy, the dogs need to, you know, watch out for her. Um, when it comes to Vandy. Uh, Jeff Robertson, he's a six-foot-six forward. He's averaging 15.9 points per game, um, as well as 7.1 rebounds. He's Vandy's leading rebounder and scorer. Um, and then guard Riley Lechance, he's a he's a knockdown uh, shooting guard for Vandy. He's averaging 12.7 points per game, 3.1 rebounds, and three point assists. Right on the number. So, so those are two guys The dogs are. Definitely gonna have to limit their opportunities, and hopefully, and hopefully Georgia can uh, come back from Vandy a winner, and you know get some get some momentum because they got a big game on Saturday. You got the eighth-ranked <laughs> uh, Auburn Tigers coming in with uh, Bruce Pearl, so so it should be a tough week for the Dogs. But that's life in the SEC. It's it's never easy. It's never easy.
1: Nope. Sorry, Joe, but I have to put my War Eagle out there. Oh, come, come on. on.
0: <laughs> okay, so now we're gonna keep the basketball talk going. We're gonna go into a little in you know, a Hawks here. Um, and so the Hawks have had two or three games here. so we're gonna talk about each of these and uh, you know, just kind of like fill in, kind of filling the gaps and see what's going on uh, with the Hawks here. So so the first game we're gonna look at, we're going to look at the Boston game. The Hawks lost by nine, 119, 110. Um, some scoring leaders for the Hawks, you have toy and who led the team with 31 points. Dennis shooter at 25. And Marco Bellinelli added 15. Um, Torian Prince also led in rebounding as well. He had eight rebounds. Dwayne Denman was seven and Kim Bazemore with five. Then you have uh, Malcolm Delaney, who had five assists, and Kim one with four. Um, RG3 is going to get in uh, to the Celtic leaders. And so I want him take that.
1: We have Terry Roger with 31 points. And Jason Tatum with twenty seven points. Jalen Brown with nineteen points. And Baines had nine rebounds and Horford had six rebounds.
0: Yeah, the former Hawk comes back yep. to bite us.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, Horford also had seven assists and Baines had five assists.
0: And that and going back to Al Horford for two seconds, as we know being being lifelong Atlanta Hawk fans, Horford Horford is definitely a guy who can do a little bit of everything. He's kind of a jackknife of all trades. He's six ten. He can he can rebound the ball while he can score, and he's also a really good passer. I think a lot of people in Atlanta um, will will recall you know some of his moments. You know, not only scoring and rebounding the ball, but also setting up his teammates. He's definitely a team first guy, and definitely a guy that I miss watching. Um, play for the Hawks, but uh, but yeah, and uh, there's also and uh, also um tomorrow actually is the NBA trade deadline. Three and, o'clock. Mm-hmm, three o'clock. So I'm wondering um if the Hawks will make any moves. I've read I've read stuff as early as like this afternoon that Marco Bellinelli could be on the block, and he didn't play in the Memphis game last night. Mm. But as far as like. Anyone else, I don't think anybody else is... Or the Hawks should blow it up completely. I think there are some guys you need to keep on this team. Um, I've heard I've heard ridiculous trade rumors about Dennis Schroeder maybe being traded. That, to me, makes absolutely no sense. Um, I think Dennis needs to stay. He's definitely a focal point in this franchise. Um, but that's neither here nor there. So, so we're also... Um, get a transition and keep the Hawks stock going. I want to congratulate uh, Torian Prince and John Collins for representing the Hawks in the Rising Stars game um, for Team USA when it comes to All-Star Weekend which will be, I think, two or three weeks away. So, so, that's cool. You know, you got two guys playing for the Team USA team in the Rising Stars game, which is the best in the United States. Um, players against the world, um, the best of the First and second-year players from other countries and internationally, so it should be really fun, um, and that's good for the Hawks. Uh, RG three is going to get into the uh, the Hawks Knicks game from this past Sunday, so.
1: Porzingis had twenty two points.
0: Although I did see last night, I was watching uh, the Hawks game, and uh, they had a and they had a an update uh, thing go live. And uh, I saw a video where Porzingis actually like tore his ACL last night, so he's done for the year. So. Oh wow! And uh, and I and I feel for uh, Porzingis on that. You know, he's one of the bright young stars in the NBA. Um, but but going back to the Knicks for a minute, um, and Hawks on Sunday. The great thing about that, the Hawks were down a lot in that game, and uh, Ken Bazemore came. Tim um, Kim Baysmore with seven seconds left hit a game or hit the game winning three, um in the in the left corner. Um, there was really good ball movement by the Hawks. Dennis brought the ball up and then kicked it to Moscala in the top of the key, and then Muscala found Baysmore wide open. Baysmore calmly and collectively drilled it, and um, the Hawks pulled it out. So Ken Baysmore led the Hawks with 19 points. Dwayne Dedmon with 12. Torian Prince with 13. Dennis Schroeder with ten, um, and then rebounding the Hawks. You had Devin with fourteen, Schroeder with five, John Collins again five rebounds, um, and then Dennis with six. As RG three mentioned, uh, Porzingis had twenty two, Jared Jack with eleven, Trey Burke with fourteen, and then rebounding wise, um, for for the Knicks you had Enes Cancer who leads them in rebounding. Um, he had twelve rebounds, Porzingis with eight. And then Jared Jack with four um and then last night the Hawks I night the Hawks um, got a big win against Memphis um, where they uh, where they won one when they won 108 to 82 um, and this was a complete domination
1: by the Hawks uh, yeah they had at least a 20 point spread. Almost throughout the whole game, right?
0: Yeah, almost, almost. And in a, and in a game like this, uh, it was really good to see because they actually haven't had, you know, many many big nights where they, you know, are just dominating and uh, and, every, and everybody got into the act, basically. Um, the guy that really stood out to me, I watched a good bit of this game, obviously Dennis Schroeder, 22 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds, um... Dwayne Dedman, 19 points. No, nope, no, not 19 points. Uh, 11 points and uh, two rebounds. Um, Tyler Dorsey, 10 points, seven assists and a rebound. And then Big Johnny Collins, uh, 15 points and 10 rebounds for the young rookie out of Wake Forest. Um, he's he's really a guy that that I think can be an absolute superstar for the Hawks and definitely a building block. Uh, but then going forward, I really like his upside. Um, one more thing about the Hawks: RG three. Did I say I'm going to the game on Sunday? You did not. Yeah, I'm gonna go see the Hawks play the Pistons. Nice. nice. Um, I'm really excited. You know, Phillips has been completely renovated. Have we talked about the new renovations over Phillips?
1: We have not. Have hmm. you been? I've not since been- they renovated. I've not been.
0: Sunday will be my first time. Well, you'll have to report out. back to us. Uh, absolutely. Next week. Absolutely, I absolutely will. Uh, but the things that I've heard about it, it looks, it's supposedly like a really, really supposedly really cool. Like with what they've done, um, apparently there, apparently there's a barber shop in there where you
1: can get your haircut. Yeah, I hear uh, top golf's in there as well. Top golf and get your haircut.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear it's a lot of fun. Yeah, me too. Me too. So Phillips is undergoing uh, the second largest and the second largest renovation uh, in NBA history. In all, in all stuff that I've like read and heard, and you know, I'm I'm sure our listeners, you know, that follow Hawks, um, have heard about you know the new renovations and and all that's going to be exciting. Um, I guess you kind of equate it uh, to the Braves rebuild with SunTrust Park. You know, you got a big shiny, shiny new thing, and now that you've got a big shiny new stadium arena, what fans want is they want a winner and. So the Hawks are slowly but surely um, trying to build a winner, and uh, hopefully, and hopefully uh, better days are ahead for the Hawks. But I'm really excited about Sunday. It should be a lot of fun, and I'll definitely report back um, to you guys and let you guys know. Um, I might tweet out some photos too. So go, to follow us at Fan Seasons. Follow the show, and, uh, and so you might see some picks. I might also throw some picks on the. Uh, on the Facebook page, and uh, let our listeners check out my vantage point uh, from Phillips on Sunday. So I'm really excited about it. Nice. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. So that's our show for this week. Um, to, tune in next week for another exciting installment of the Fan Brawl Seasons podcast. I'm Jam jo. and Joe, and I'm G 3 and we're signing off. Peace.